Proverbs 6. Let's uh, stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. We'll be in verse 16, reading down through verse number 19. The Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Tonight's message for most will be preventative maintenance. For some, it will be much needed. For some of you here that need it, I don't know that you need it. For others here that need it, well, if the shoe fits, wear it. The title of the message this evening is simply this, The Sin of Sowing Discord at Church. The sin of sowing discord at church. I've spent a lot of time praying about this message. When I went to the Lord in prayer early this week and I asked what I should preach, He brought the sermon to heart. I prayed over and over and He confirmed this is what I was to preach tonight. Since He's confirmed in my heart to preach the sermon, I have prayed and prayed that God would give me the right spirit by which to preach this message. And so you pray for me while I preach. Pray the sermon will be effective. Pray the sermon will help our church, not hurt our church. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we want you here. We don't want to run you off. We don't want to be in the flesh. We want to be in the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. And so, Lord, this evening we pray the sermon would please you. And that it would accomplish the purpose by which you wanted it preached this evening. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, verse 16 says, These six things that the Lord hate. And then there's a seventh one, the last one added to the list, that are an abomination unto him. Back in 2017, we preached a series of sermons entitled, The Sins on God's Hate List. We took these one at a time and looked at them topically. The last one on the list is not least. In fact, for the church age, I believe it is most. It is the sin of sowing discord at the church house among the brethren. No, I'll just say this. I hate these sins along with God. Every one of them. I hate them in you. I hate them in me. But as a pastor, the sin that I hate the most is the sin of discord at church. I hate it. Can't stand it. This is the one that I see from time to time at our church. I see it rear its ugly head. In my 35 years of church attendance, I have seen discord split churches. I have seen discord shut churches down. I have seen uh, discord inhibit a church's growth and hold them back from growth. I believe that our church at times struggles with discord. I believe our church at times has strife and contention being sown amongst us. Before we move any further on the topic, I want to show all of you what a healthy church looks like and what a healthy church does. Let's take a trip through the book of Acts here. Hold your place in Proverbs. Turn over to Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. The Bible says there, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. 
and said, the number of names together, look at the total here, were about 120. So the first church meeting in the upper room had 120 members. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the church grew to 3,120. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, the church grew to 8,120. That's church growth. (laughs) To go from 120 to 8,120 in three chapters of the Bible, that's phenomenal. Turn over to Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Look there. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice here it says, and the Lord added to the church daily, daily, not weekly, daily, such as should be saved. Turn over to Acts chapter 1, uh, 6 rather, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. So we have addition, addition. Look at chapter 6 verse 1. And in those days, uh, uh, when the number of the disciples was, what's that next word? Multiplied. So now we're not adding, we're times two, times three, times four. Look at chapter six, verse seven. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. By the way. This was not unique in the book of Acts. Many churches in the book of Acts, as well as church history, have rapidly grown because of God's hand of blessing. I went out uh, soul winning with Brother Mike Inkowski shortly after I arrived to be the pastor. Brother Mike said to me, you come from a church that runs five to six hundred people every week. He said, what's the secret? How do we grow without compromising? Well, I'm going to show you what that is this evening. What were the ingredients that made this church grow? Look at chapter 2 and verse 1 of the book of Acts. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Again, we're going to contrast this evening a church without discord versus a church with discord. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord, one accord, in one place. So what are the ingredients to be in, uh, to, to, uh, for a growing church? The first one is that the church body needs to be in one accord. There must be a submission of everyone's will to a common goal. Must be. Must be. The pastor and church leadership must be submitted and tender to the leading of the Bible and of the Holy Spirit. If the pastor and church leadership, if they're not spirit-led and spirit-filled, if they're not walking with the Lord, if they're not avoiding secret sins in their life, then God will not bless the church. I would refer you to the story of Achan in the Old Testament. You remember they conquered Jericho and and Achan stole that which belonged to the Lord and buried it in his tent. You all know the story, right? They went up against the city of Ai and I was at 38, 39 men were killed because of Achan's sin. And so they took Achan out of the camp. They killed him and his family and buried him. And then they marched forward uh, victorious. If there is leadership in the church that is living in sin, the church may grow numerically, but it won't grow because of God's hand of blessing. And it, it isn't just the pastor and church leadership that must be submitted and tendered to the leading of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. The congregation must follow the program that is laid out for the church. Paul said, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You may remember I had Brother Vara march up the side of the auditorium and, and as, and he represented the Lord and I marched right behind him representing who I am as the pastor and Brother Eric followed me and then I ducked out in the pew and Eric just kept following the Lord. Just kept following the Lord. And as long as the pastor's following the Lord and the church leadership's following the Lord, we're to get in behind and we're to follow the program. Um, when church leadership organizes programs to reach the lost and strengthen the believers and you turn your nose up to it and decide that you are going to do evangelism your own way, you are keeping our church from being in one accord. 
What caused that first church to grow? What were the ingredients of biblical, godly church growth? Well, they were in one accord or in harmony with each other. Uh, The next element is that they were uh, each people of prayer. They were people of prayer. Go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. You get the sense that uh, this was a, a prayer meeting that maybe the women had a whole lot to do with. And I'm all for corporate praying. We do that every Wednesday evening. We have prayer time in our services here. Uh, I'm for group prayer meetings. We have a group of ladies that gather every Friday morning and, uh, and pray for each other and pray for our church. I'm 100% for that. But let me just say this, it isn't enough for you to pray at church and pray in a group. You must learn how to pray on your own. Tomorrow morning, when you get out of bed, I wonder how many of the church body of White Oak Baptist Church will, will enter into that prayer closet and pray. When I was a college student, we were required to sign in to chapel. There were sign-in sheets by your last name. And you'd enter into the chapel, and you'd find the clipboard with your last name, and you would initial next to your name that you were in attendance. If God took roll call tomorrow morning uh, in heaven in the prayer closet, I wonder how many of us would be able to put our initials down that we had been there. And to the degree that we are a praying church, to that degree God will bless us. There are many activities and actions that flow naturally from a believer who is spending adequate time in prayer. If your Christian life is off track, then your prayer life is probably off track. If you have a hard time following the leaders in your life, then you are probably having a hard time following God in your prayer life. I believe it was Ian Bounds that put it this way, every problem is a prayer problem. You show me a church that has God's hand of blessing on it, and I will show you a church that is filled with prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. What were the elements for a growing church? Well, they were all in one accord. They were people of prayer. Next, they were filled and led by the Holy Spirit. They were filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 2, verse 4 of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 4. Look there. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. As we look at sowing seeds of discord in a minute, we will find uh, that this comes when the fruits of the flesh are allowed to dominate the tree of one's heart. Where does discord come from? It does not come from the Spirit of God. It comes when the flesh is calling the shots. What is discord? For our young listeners in the room this evening that may not know what the word discord means, it means strife. It means bickering. It means being salacious and gossipy. It means contention. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Can we name them together? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The three ingredients of church growth are brethren that dwell in one accord, brethren that are prayed up, brethren and sistren that are Holy Spirit controlled. If a church is not growing, then it is quite possible that one or more of these ingredients are missing. Through through this lens, we understand why God hates the sin of sowing discord among the brethren. He has called and equipped the local church to be the means by which the world receives the good news of the gospel. I propose that God hates the sin of sowing discord because it destroys or at the very least inhibits his church from accomplishing its purpose. Everybody listening this evening? I am not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. That church member that you clash with and cannot stand, they are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. We're so busy bickering and fighting among ourselves that we're never going to accomplish anything for the Lord. 
You remember the Midianites? Remember, you, you remember Gideon? You remember how they stood around the camp and they shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and they broke the pitcher and the flame gave the illusion that there, were, there, were a, there was a large army around them. Do you remember how the Midianites died that evening? They killed each other. They killed each other. The Israelites didn't kill a single person. They all killed each other. And I believe that Satan uses similar tactics with churches. He surrounds them and he scares them and he causes them to begin to bicker with each other. And we slit each other's proverbial throat and the blood of the church runs deep and wide. And the church is not able to reach the community because Satan has gotten us to fight each other and stop fighting him. If we could all stop bickering with each other, if we could all stop promoting our own cause, if we could all strive together to fight the devil, then we could replicate what many, many other churches before us have done. We're going to look at four truths about sowing seeds of discord this evening. Point number one of the message is this, the seeds of discord, the seeds of discord. There are several reasons why a person may feel inward discord or strife. Let's look at several quickly. Letter A, notice an unforgiving spirit, an unforgiving spirit. You cannot sow seeds that you do not possess. You understand that? If you don't have seeds of discord in your, in your satchel, you can't throw them out. You can't throw them out. And so where does discord come from? It comes from the heart. Where does strife come from? Where does contention come from? It comes from the heart. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. Please, 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 for the sake of the message, follow along in your Bible. And uh, I probably am not going to get real preachy. And I don't plan on it. If the Spirit of the Lord leads me to do so, I may. I, I more want to talk to the church uh, than rebuke or reprimand. And we'll let the Spirit of God do the chastising this evening. But let's let the Scripture, let's let the Spirit of God use the Scriptures. Look at chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirreth up stripes, but love covereth all sins. Hatred stirreth up stripes. Look at chapter 15 and verse 18. A wrathful man, a wrathful man stirreth up stripes, strife rather, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Look at chapter 16 and verse 28. Chapter 16 and verse 28. A froward man, a froward man soweth strife. So hatred stirreth, a wrathful man stirreth, and a froward man stirreth strife. Again, Hatred stirreth, a wrathful man stirreth, and a froward man stirreth up strife. These all represent someone who has not dealt with past hurts. These all deal with someone who have been hurt by others in the past, have not forgiven others in their past. They have seeds of, of bitterness that sit in their heart and they sow those seeds on fields where there is no strife, but they take the strife out of their heart and they throw it out on other people's fields. Letter B, notice unmet expectation. Unmet expectations. Again, we're looking at the seeds of discord. Well, uh, uh, some sow discord because they have past hurts, past baggage that they bring with them into a, into a group of people and that's used to sow strife. Unmet expectations. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 12. Please look there with me. Proverbs 13, 12. It says there, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. There's a whole lot to be said about personal disappointment. Personal disappointment. Personal disappointment comes many avenues. We all have these, these ideas and this plan of how we're going to get where we want to go. We depend on people. We rely on people. We expect people to be a certain way and we expect them to hold to a certain level of character. We expect them to keep their word. We expect, uh, we, we expect God to w- follow through on our plan. And oftentimes we forget that God isn't ordered to follow our plan. We're ordered to follow God's plan for our lives. 
And what happens is our hope is denied. It's deferred. And we get our hopes up and our hopes get shattered. And then we become embittered because our expectations, whatever they may be, whatever they may be, are not met. Can I tell you that 90% of the marital strife that I've had with my wife, whether little or big, has come because one of the two of us have not had our expectations from the other one met? That's where most of it comes from. Can I tell you that if you and I in here have ever had a problem with each other, that that probably originates from either me not meeting your expectations or you not meeting my expectations. Have you ever had someone you've hired uh, to come to your house and do work and when they left, the work just didn't cut mustard? Your expectations were not met, and that strife begins to bow up in your heart. Now, there's a Christian way to handle that, and there's an unchristian way to handle that. But the mature way to handle unmet expectations is not to turn around and have seeds of discord that you throw out. Letter C, notice, wrong crowd. Wrong crowd. Where do the seeds of discord originate? For some, it's an unforgiving spirit. For some, it's unmet expectations. For some, it's just simply hanging around the wrong people. Look at chapter 16, verse 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer, a whisperer, separateth chief friends. You ever heard the phrase guilty by association? You be careful who you spend time with. You be careful who you hang out with. You say, oh, well, they don't talk that way around me. Okay. Okay. I hope not. I hope not. But you hang around someone whose poison is long enough. Some of that poison is going to make its way into your system eventually. The worst place for you to run to when your heart is hurting And you have an unforgiving spirit, unmet expectations. The worst place for you to run to is a kindred spirit. That's the worst place you can go to. I have found that people who are hurting are attracted to people who are hurting. People who are bitter are magnetized to people who are bitter. And they don't get together and help each other out of the bitterness pit. No, they get together and they dig the pit deeper and deeper and deeper. And my friend... Whoever it is that's embittered you, whatever set of circumstances that have embittered you, you need to run to the side of mature Christians who can help you out of the pit, not dig the pit deeper. A whisperer separateth chief friends. You know what a whisperer does? A whisperer mixes truth and lies. And he'll dial up the amount of just enough truth according to what you need, and then put the rest of it as lies. Maybe you need it to be 90% truth, because that's the standard by which you need to spend time with them. But a whisperer will mix in just enough error to poison your spirit and separate chief friends. The seeds of discord. Last one, letter D. Notice, sin nature. Sin nature. Galatians chapter 5. We'll be back in Proverbs again in just a moment. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5 with me and look at verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Look at the list here. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Okay, look at the next set here. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. Here comes that next one, discord. Here it's worded strife, seditions, heresies. Don't miss this here. Don't miss what I'm about to say. You don't need to be carrying past hurts to sow discord. You listening? You don't need to have your expectations shattered to cause problems. Uh, you don't have to be hanging around the wrong friends uh, just to plant uh, a strife in the hearts of others. The truth is, by my nature of being a sinner, by my nature of living in the flesh, it is my very nature to sow discord in the lives of others. Because I am a sinner and so are you. 
Look, tonight, the truth is, each one of us have to self-evaluate. Everyone in here has to look themselves in the mirror and answer this one question. Am I walking by the spirit or am I walking by the flesh? And you can you can lie to yourself as long as you want. But the truth is the fruit of your life or the work of your flesh tells the story. It tells the story. The way that you talk with others, uh, uh, the way that you text others, the way that you're on the phone with others, the way that you handle uh, 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 salacious news, uh, are you quick to pick up the phone and call? Are you quick to pick up the phone and text? Or does it stop with you? Where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. Are you the person putting out the fire or are you the person stoking the flames? The seeds of discord, number two, notice the sowing of discord, the sowing of discord. We began by looking at the seeds of discord in the heart of the sower. Now let's look at the method of sowing those seeds. Oh boy. Now, before we get into the methods, you know what the name of the game is with sowing discord? You want to do it and not get caught. You want to do it and maintain the appearance of not doing it. You want to throw the seeds out there at night under the cover of darkness and then walk into the light and act like, nope, I'm one of the good guys. I'm on the right team. Boy, it's done in a way that's secretive. Letter A notice subtle conversations. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20. I just quoted a portion of this verse a moment ago. Let's look at it again. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Look here. So where there is no gossiper, where there is no tale bearer, the strife, Ceaseth. When I was a, a young lad, seven, eight, nine years old, my parents drug me to church on Sunday evenings around four o'clock, four fifteen, because my mom had choir practice, and uh, she sang in the choir, and so we would run around the building with our buddies, and we'd have a great old time. And so um, there were two ladies at Central Baptist Church there in Hattiesburg. I, I'm sure they're, they're, uh, they're, they've passed on the glory now. But there were two old ladies, and they would sit. It was, a, it was a huge auditorium. It was the same layout as this one, probably about 25 more rows deep with a balcony. And um, they would sit toward the back of the auditorium. Well, we loved to crawl underneath the pews as boys. And we love to see if we couldn't just sneak up on these ladies without getting caught. And so we'd start in the back and we'd see how close we could get. You two better not ever try this. Just because I did it. Anyway. Um, more than once, we would crawl up behind these knitting, crocheting, whatever they were doing. The needlework, right? Making the, the blankets and... And uh, they'd show up every week for choir practice, and they'd sit there. And uh, we would sneak up behind them. We'd sit there, and we'd listen. And you know what they were doing? They were gossiping. They were gossiping. They were talking about the latest whatever in the church, or the latest whatever in the news, or the latest whatever with celebrities. And we would sneak up, and we would get bits and pieces of it, and we'd sneak out, and we would share what we had heard. And so you'd say, well, you were probably gossiping too. I probably was. But I was getting it from two old ladies that should have known better. What's the song say? Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little ear, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue. What you say, generally, we will mask our seeds of discord with hyper-spiritual language. Let me give you a couple scenarios here. 
we will read a verse of Scripture and talk about how and why we disagree with brother such and such or sister such and such. Well, the Bible says, and I just think the way they're living is wrong because the Bible says right here, Oh, really? Should we pull out the Bible on you and read about your wrongdoings? Does that make that okay? Here's another one. We will pick a sermon while texting with another, uh, we'll pick apart a sermon while texting with another church member, giving our take on what we think the passage really means. Let me just say it here, even if, the, even if the preacher, the speaker, is wrong about the passage and you are right, you are wrong in criticizing that speaker behind his back. You are wrong. Um, we have a man here, he's in the room, I won't say his name, but we have a man here, if I make a mistake in a message, he's very kind and courteous and gentle, but he will come and tell me where I made that mistake. And I have to say this, I love it. I have no issue with it because I'd rather him come tell me than go tell you. You say, well, how often does he approach me? Every week. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. I have seen those who will be who will who who will carefully criticize a leader by never tearing down the leader directly but he attacks the team around the leader or by tearing down the program of that leader. Why do we do it that way? Why do we call it that? Why? why? Well, 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 I'm just asking questions. Well, well, listen, Satan just asked a question in the Garden of Eden when he said, Yea, hath God said? The whole I'm just asking questions excuse is... Is it's 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 masquerading a larger problem. Now let me be clear here: you are allowed to ask questions. It's not the asking of a question that's a problem. It's who you're asking the question to, and the forum you're asking the question that's the problem. I don't want to go to the ladies' program because I don't want to go out soul winning with the church because. The Pharisaical Christians are very good at making themselves look far more spiritual than everyone else around them while they undermine ideas that aren't theirs and they self-promote. The sowing of discord among the brethren. Subtle conversations, let her be noticed, social media. Social media. About three and a half, four years ago, I got off all social media. Let me tell you. There was a day where I was on all of it. I was on all of it. I had an Instagram account. I had a Twitter account. I had a Facebook account. And I was active on them. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't get a lot of likes or tweets or retweets or, you know, uh, I was sort of the, the social media loser. <laughs> um, you have that guy who puts something out there and, and like nobody likes it. That was me. That, so, um, you know, after trying and failing, I, I just decided that I needed to get off. That wasn't the only reason. That wasn't the only reason. I got off in part also uh, because um, it was a distraction. It was taking up a lot of my time. And to be honest, I felt the Spirit of God telling me that it wasn't something that He wanted me to do. It wasn't something He wanted me to do. My Bible reading was suffering for it. My, my spirit had become angry because of it. I was lashing out at my wife over silly things. And that wasn't the only factor. When I began to deal with my anger issue, one of the things that God put his finger on and said, that needs to go, all of it needs to go with social media. Now, I'm not saying social media is a sin. If I believe that, my wife wouldn't have any social media. My wife is a very mature Christian, and she knows how to handle that. And uh, she has a walk with God. I see her read her Bible. I see her uh, pray. I see how she handles me and my children I, and, and all of that. And so, uh, uh, but if it ever became an issue in that area, I wouldn't hesitate to sit my wife down and say, it needs to go. It needs to go. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me, if you will. Wednesday evening and this morning, we had members-only meetings. And I addressed social media, and I was pretty firm on what I said. You say, well, do you regret what you said or how you said it? Nope. Not one bit. In fact, I wish I had said it a little bit harder and a little bit tougher. 
Now, I'm not going to go back and repeat a lot of that, but here's what I will say. Well, let's read 1 Corinthians 6 first. Look at verse 1. We'll see the principle here that applies. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? Now that's speaking of the millennial reign. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault amongst you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather uh, take wrong? Uh, Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Here he's saying in verse 7, you're better off just being mistreated and being defrauded than going to a court of law and letting unbelievers make a judgment call on you. Now, let me tell you what a lot of social media is. And I'm not saying this is how everyone uses it, but I'm going to tell you that, okay. I'm going to tell you this. Everyone with social media who's on it uses it this way sometimes. Some people use it this way all the time. You know what social media is? Me judging your life. Me measuring my life up against your life. I've shared this before. This is really funny. I'm going to share it here again. Probably the lowest point of our marriage. Um, I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. And I'm not going to go into any of the details. But it was around a Thanksgiving time. And my wife and I had just been at it with each other for weeks at this point. We were just really struggling. Every marriage at some point has that low point. This was the low point of our marriage. I remember my mom-in-law and sister-in-law were staying with us at the time. And uh, they actually helped the problem. They didn't hurt the problem. But I remember we had taken an apple pie out of the oven, and um, um, uh, someone looked at Angela and I, who were not happy with each other, and they said, smile. And we turned around and looked at the camera, and we had the biggest smile on our face. And that got put on Facebook. Now, you would have thought by that picture that we were madly in love with each other, but nothing could have been further from the truth. Nothing could have been further from the truth. You know, you go on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, whatever platform. I don't even know what they all are anymore. But you go out there and you look at those uh, uh, pages and you see people's picture and they seem so happy and bliss and their life is so perfect. And you think, oh, if I could only be that happy, I promise you they're just as miserable on the inside at times as you are. I promise you. I promise you. But we get on there and we judge everybody else. Now, we may not judge in the sense that we're, 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 we're uh, punishing. We're being the judge that, that executes the, the consequences of the law. But can I tell you, we cast judgment on each other. That's what social media is. Now, don't miss this. You take a legitimate beef. I mean... You have been slighted and wronged and you have 100% of the facts on your side. And it's bad. And it's someone you go to church with. Let's even say it's the pastor. And you go online and you blog about it and then you share that to your Facebook. Or you Facebook about it. You Twitter about it. You Instagram about it. All of those lost people who are on there, are going to read that. And I, this is my honest opinion. I don't think it's just opinion. This is, this is fact. There will be thousands and tens of thousands of people who go to hell because of the drama that has been shared on Facebook. People look at that and they say, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. One of our church members a couple of years ago, or within the last couple of years, it wasn't any time real recent. He was hanging out 
with some folks from another church in the state, another Baptist church in the state. And they asked him, they said, well, where do you go to church? And he said, I go to White Oak Baptist Church. And do you know what they said to him? They said, oh, you go to that church with all that social media drama. Folks, we have a reputation here. That's coming from church members from another area Baptist church. Can I just ask that we knock it off? That doesn't please the Lord. That doesn't please the Lord. Look, we can't have an Acts 2 type church if we're sowing discord. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to you. Social media. Number one, the seeds of discord. Number two, the sowing of discord. Number three, the suffering caused by discord. The suffering caused by discord. Letter A, notice personal suffering. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18 in your Bibles. There are two people that hurt when, there are a minimum of two people that hurt when discord is sown. The, the person who has been accused or maligned against, gossiped about. Uh, uh, by the way, you know the difference between slander and gossip. Gossip is when you say things that are, are, are untrue. Slander is when you say things that are true. If, um, if, I saw, uh, if I came around the corner of Walmart and I saw Jake and Rose in just a knockdown, drag-out marital fight, and I mean, they were just, Rose was just beating down Jake. I mean, just pounding him. And then I came to church and I pulled Pastor Mike to the side or John to the side or Mark to the side. And I said, do you know what I saw in Walmart? I could account every detail to be 100% factual. Do you know that that's slander and it's just as much sin as if I made it up? That's not their business for me to share with them. That's, that, that, that's out of line. That's out of line. And so, if, if I were to run and share gossip about someone and it wasn't true, yes, it hurts the person I'm gossiping about, and yes, it hurts the person I'm telling, but can I tell you who else suffers? I do. I do. Look at Matthew 18, verse number 32. Then his Lord, after which he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant... I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, look at verse 35. This is, this is one of the most daunting, condemning passages that I believe is actively alive in many Christians today. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Here God says that when others wrong you and you don't forgive, you suffer. You suffer. I feel as though Jesus is taking each one of us in this passage that are saved by the hand. And he's walking us to the foot of the cross. And he's saying, you see that up there? You see how much I forgave you? Now, what was that again that somebody did to you? And you can't forgive them? And you want to call yourself my child? What was that again? What did someone do to you that was so awful? I should have sent your sorry carcass to hell. And I saved you from hell. And I forgave you of hell. And you want to turn around and not, and not forgive your brother because of something that he did to you that you didn't like? Now look, there's some crazy bad stuff that happens. And if we were to go around the room and all of us were to share the worst thing anyone's ever done to us, there would be some horrible stories shared in this room. We'd probably have to send the kids out to share uh, some of the things that have happened. But none of it, none of it is as bad as my sin nailing Jesus to that cross. And if I can't forgive, God says he's going to turn me over to mental tormentors. And I know a whole lot of Christians that are walking around today, and they're suffering. 
their suffering. Why are they so uh, good at throwing seeds of discord on everyone else's life? Because they're miserable inside. They're just miserable inside. Now, why are they? Did my mic die on me? He turned me down. No, he didn't. He's like, settle down back there, Pastor. They're miserable inside. Why are they so miserable inside? Because God, oh, there it is. Because God has turned them over to the tormentors. Personal suffering. Letter B, notice family suffering. Family suffering. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I'm almost done this evening. I hope this sermon is a help. I don't want it to stir up problems. I don't want it to be as though I'm putting a gag order on the church or I'm um, uh, making someone feel like they can't communicate. But what I do want us to do is, is uh, trust the Lord. By the way, one of the freedoms we have as Americans is freedom of speech. Can I tell you that a Christian does not have freedom of speech? Now, you have freedom of speech as, a, as an American, but you do not have freedom of speech as a Christian. Or, rather, your freedoms are very limited as a Christian. What is, um, let's see, what does Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 say? Quote it with me if you know it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So by that verse, if it's corrupt, I'm not supposed to say it, nor am I supposed to text it. Nor am I supposed to email it, nor am I supposed to tweet it, nor am I supposed to Facebook it, nor am I supposed to Instagram it, nor am I supposed to, 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 to imply it by liking or laughing or, or, or belittling on social media. Boy, I better be careful. You say, well, that text I sent was to a friend of mine and they won't tell anyone. Do you know the Lord sees every text you send? I may never find out. And I, by the way, I'm, I had a pastor say one time that he has the birds of the air that whisper in his ears. And he knows all the wrongdoings of the church. That's not me. All right. I want everyone to hear me loud and clear. I do not ask people to go out and figure out what you're doing and come back and tell me. I have never, ever one time asked anyone to do that. Not once. Now, I need to know about strife so I can squelch it. But I don't ask people to bring it to me. Let's get back on track here. The suffering caused by discord, it's a personal suffering. There's families that suffer. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word provoke is the same root word in this verse as the word So another way of looking at this verse is, Wrath not your children to wrath. Many homes are suffering because of sowed discord. Husbands that don't love and cherish their wives. Wives that don't love and honor their husbands. Parents who do not properly nurture and admonish their children in the Lord. Children who do not obey, honor, and respect their parents. Why? Because they are too busy casting out on uh, others their own seeds of discord and contention. Please hear me now. If you are miserable inward and your family life life is miserable, then it's time for you to take the seeds of strife and cast them from your heart. Get rid of them. Uh, Repent from that. Ask the Lord to help you and uh, don't continue to cause suffering within your marriage, within your children, within your home. Boy, could that confess so that you can have not strife, not contention, but you can have peace. Letter C, notice church suffering. Turn over to the book of 3 John. That's two books from Revelation. 3 John, Jude, Revelation. 3 John only has one chapter. Look at verse number 9. Proverbs tells us only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. If you're acting in a contentious manner, that is by default pride. Look at 3 John and look at verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. Notice the sowing of discord by Diotrephes. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. And forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. 
If you're constantly butting heads with church leadership, if you're constantly having drama in your family life, if you're constantly a mess in your personal life, then the problem probably lies within you and not within the church leadership. You all understand that? If you're a mess in your own heart and your family life is a mess, and everywhere you go there seems to be drama everywhere you go, don't go pointing the finger at someone who's peaceful inside and, you know, lives a pretty peaceful life. It's probably not them, it's probably you. Church suffering. Waddock Baptist Church, I want you to listen to me very carefully right here. Satan loves to work during times of transition. That's when he's at the top of his game. That's when he's in a feeding frenzy. When there's transition in the church, Satan ups his game and he shoots way more wiles, way more fiery darts into the church than any other time. We're going through a lot of transition right now. We're getting ready to bring in a new pastor to help with the workload here. We've had two assistant pastors who are no longer on the staff. They're, they're, they're men who I believe love God. One of them is sitting in the auditorium right now, and I will speak for him. I know he loves God with all his heart. He's a good man. And he has a bright future ahead of him. And I believe in him as much as anybody in this room. But Satan would love to work in this time of transition and hurt this church. Don't you be the one he picks off. Don't you be the one he takes advantage of. Don't you be the weak link. You stand shoulder to shoulder. And remember, we are not each other's enemy. Satan is the enemy. And we need to fight. We need to point our weapons not at each other. We need to pipe, uh, point them at the devil. Number four, and lastly, let's, say, let's look at this. The scripture's position on discord. The scripture's position on discord. Letter A. Notice, humble your heart. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5 says this. It says, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Now, there's a lot of people who will take this verse and say, Don't you point out my wrongdoing. That's not what this verse says. You know what this verse says? It says, You need to get in your prayer closet and examine your own heart first. And once all the beams and all the moats and all the splinters have been removed from your own eye, with a humble heart and a humble spirit, you go help your brother get the moat out of his eye. Hey, you know what? I mean this. I I genuinely, sincerely mean this. If there is aught in my heart, if there is wrongdoing that you see in me, I want you to come to me and sit in my office and say, Pastor, I see this in your life and it's wrong. And if you can show that to me and you do it with a semi-humble heart, boy, I will thank you for it. But what happens is we see wrongdoing in others and we want to run around and talk to everybody about it. I can't believe he said this. I can't believe that. Ah! Is your heart humble? Only by pride cometh contention. What's the scripture's position on discord? If you're at a place right now where you're either sowing discord or allowing people to use you to sow discord, letter A, humble your heart. Letter B, carefully confront. Carefully confront. Matthew 18 Let's turn to Matthew 18. It's very important that you see these verses. I want us to be a Matthew 18 church. I want us to be a Matthew 18 church. Look at Matthew 18, look at verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and text everyone in the church and tell them about it. Is that what it says? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go have dinner at everybody's house and mope and cry and complain and tell everyone how terrible they are. I don't think that's what it says. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him, him, his fault between thee and him. What's that next word? Alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, Then take with thee one or two more, 
that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Boy, that's the model we ought to follow. If somebody, let's say that uh, somebody didn't like the way Brother John over here looked at him going out church. Brother John's a pretty friendly guy, so I think I can use him here. Well, let's say that you just didn't like the way Brother John looked at you when he walked out of church with a John Sanchez. And you text someone else and say, ah, Brother John, he's, he's just, he's, he's, he's got a mean, ugly spirit about him. You know what you ought to say? Let me show you. Brother Eric, I'm going to use you again. Come on over there. Brother Eric's my go-to, man. He's great. Brother Eric comes to me and he says, that John guy, let me tell you what, he was mean to me on the way out to church. Here's what I ought to do. I ought to say, if you have a problem with him, then you need to go speak with him and not me. And if he says, well, I'm scared of John. Are you scared of John? Yeah. (laughs) He's a pretty scary guy, isn't he? Then here's what you say. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And we come over here together. And we sit down in private. And I say, John, Eric's a little nervous right here. But Eric has something he'd like to address with you. And you know what? With a humble heart and through prayer, this is fixed. Now, another scenario. All right, come back over here with me. All right. Eric comes to me and says, that John, he's just a jerk. J for John, J for jerk. And I look at him and say, you need to go talk to John about it. And he says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I just don't think I can do it. Well, I'll go with you. No, no, I won't do it. Here's what you need to tell the person. If you're not willing to go talk to him, then you need to shut your mouth. You just don't need to say anything. And if you can't go to him, then you shouldn't come to me. And if you can't go to him, then you should get on your knees and you should tell the Lord. And just let the Lord change him. But we don't run around to each other and talk about John or anybody else. Thank you. Carefully confront. So you say, well, pastor, I humbled my heart. I carefully confronted, and then it was rejected, and uh, I know there's sin there, and it just wasn't handled well, and, and then I took two or three witnesses, and the person was still rebelling. What should I do next? Letter C, expose and expel. Expose and expel. Look at Matthew 18, verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear, this is the offending party, if, if the offending party neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Oh, man. And so there is known sin you have evidence of. And it's been addressed with them. And they denied one-on-one. And then witnesses were brought in. And that was pushed away and, and denied. And this calloused and cold heart and, and unwillingness to make amends. And so then, what do you do? The matter is to be brought before the church. And that person is to be expelled because of that sin. What does Proverbs chapter 22.10 tell us? It says, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Can I tell you who follows a message like this one? Seasoned, matured Christians who walk with God. Can I tell you who's running around being a busybody, a tailbearer, a whisperer? Folks who just, boy, their, their prayer life's gotten off track. They're following the flesh, not the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, this is next level Christianity. This is Christianity that we have to put to the test. James tells us that if you can learn to control the tongue, you control the whole body. You know why? Because this is a little member. It is hard to control. We've all said things to people we shouldn't have said. We've all spouted off and we've all um, uh, 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 taken things too far and breached confidentiality and, and, uh, and, and, and shared a secret we shouldn't have. Everybody here has been guilty of that at some point or another, some point in their life. But can I tell you that we all right now have a decision to make. Are we going to be a tailbearer, a whisperer? Are we going to sow discord or are we going to sow peace? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's have a church full of peacemakers. And I believe that whatever the near, the immediate future holds for our church, whatever it is, 
There's a cloud of uncertainty hovering over our church right now. I don't know what's coming down the pipeline. I just don't. But I will say this. Whatever it is, mature Christians who are walking with the Lord, who are concerned about sowing peace and not discord, we can weather anything together. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, would you help us to take the message to heart? We want to be an Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 5 type church. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people that get things fixed with each other quickly. Lord, would you do a great and mighty work in each of our hearts? Would you help us to evaluate on a deep level who we are? Where we've slipped up? Would you help us to confess those sins and to commit to doing right? In Jesus' name.